I had two people come up to me after service Sunday, and uh, one was immediately after service, one called me in the afternoon, and, and they said, Pastor, are you going to do 2.0 Wednesday night? And at that point, I didn't know if I was or I wasn't. I was thinking about it, and, and it wasn't sure, uh, because my problem with my ministry is that I always have way more uh, content than I have time to preach. I like to preach. And I like the Word of God. I like to communicate. I like how it all ties together. And so when you see me walk in late like I did Sunday, walk in a little after the worship service, it's not I'm still preparing. I'm taking my notes and I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to have to cut that out or we're going to be here for three hours. And I'm going to have to cut that out if we're going to be here or for another hour. So I'm in my office editing my sermon notes from the week, you know, trying to get it down. And uh, I know I'm supposed to preach about 40 to 45 minutes or 20 to 25 minutes at some churches. Uh, but I'm a 55-minute guy all day long, so you can set your clock by that. Amen. All right, good. I got some thumbs up. But some of your movies are three hours, so give me a break, you know, that you're watching. You go to the movie house, and you don't want it to end, so, uh, you know, whatever. So anyway, uh, so Sunday was no different. I, I never got to the end of my sermon. Uh, Brother Scott, I knew I was in trouble two minutes into the sermon when you took off running. I thought, my Lord. They're going to kill me this morning because he took off and they're already uh, demonstrating and having a great time. And, we're, and, and I knew, I, 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 my wife heard me screaming. She said, she was in there with the children, helping with the children on Sunday. She heard me screaming and hollering. She said, I started to come out there and tell you to settle down. You just had surgery six weeks ago. You're going to wear yourself out. But uh, we, got it, we got it worked through. In the middle, I got a little weak a little bit. So uh, with that being said, uh, I'm going to do a 2.0. I'm going to hit it again. We talked about... Uh, my apostolic identity on Sunday. That was the title of the message. And, and, and I'm not going to re-preach all that. I will recap it. But what I want to do tonight, and, and uh, what my goal was for Sunday, and what my goal is for certain tonight to finish, is to, to get us to understand that we need to develop and demonstrate our apostolic identity. We need to develop and demonstrate. Everybody say develop. And demonstrate and so some of us that have been in church a long time uh, or all of our lives we've been good Christians for a long time we need to redevelop everybody say redevelop or reactualize we need to get it going restart hit the big reset button and we know this stuff you know what I'm talking about it's like a good rep recipe that you hadn't cooked in a long time and all of a sudden you cook that and you're thinking my goodness, how come I hadn't been cooking that all these years? That was delicious. I forgot about that. And so sometimes living for the Lord's the same way. We, we know what living for the Lord's all about. We know what we're supposed to do. We know that we're supposed to share the gospel with other people and all those kind of things. But we just kind of get caught up. And, and I'm not saying we're sinners or anything else. We just kind of, you know, we're just, we've been in church a long time. And so uh, if that's you, then I want to help, help us hit the reset button. Because what the world needs... In, in, in what we're going through some stuff and I'm not re-preaching all of that I'm not going to preach the doom and gloom you get enough of that on the news you get enough of that in the, in the subway shootings in New York and you get all the stuff that we're going through I mean it's just crazy 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 everybody say that with me crazy 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 the world has gone mad and we all know that amen and the Bible prophesies it's going to happen it said iniquity shall abound that word means ever increasing so if you're looking for there to be less iniquity tomorrow than there was today, you're not in the Bible. But we're not to be overtaken 
by this, and we're not to be dismayed by this. The Bible tells us when we see these things, we're to lift up our eyes because our redemption draweth nigh. We are closer to the coming of the Lord than, than we've ever been when we see these things. So we see it as a sign, but at the same time, we have to get through it. So, and, and the world is, is um, more and more turning away from God. The United States, uh, uh, Barack Obama got in a lot of trouble for making a statement that said that we're no longer a Christian nation. Um, and and, and that, that's, that's harsh, man. Uh, you know, that, that's a harsh statement, but it was a true statement. Um, and what he meant by that is that the majority of the people in the United States no longer identify, at the time that he made the statement, it was about 47 point something another percent of Americans identified as Christian. The rest identified as other faiths or no faith at all. So he was correct in saying that the United States was no longer a Christian nation because the majority of the people did not identify with Christianity. And so anytime you turn away from your roots, anytime you turn away from, and this nation turns away from this Judeo-Christian roots, uh, then all of a sudden, then we're going to lose the uh, American exceptionalism. I don't want to talk a lot about that because y'all will get bored, but it's my history thing I love to do. Uh, uh, the United States of America, there's never been a country like this before in the history of mankind. There's only two countries that have ever been started, and, and two nations that have ever been started because of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. One is the children of Israel, and the other is the United States of America. Came here for religious freedom, and it's based on uh, freedom of religion and, and of a Judeo-Jewish Christian faith. So this country is firmly, was firmly established and firmly founded on that. And that gave us what we know as American exceptionalism or, or, or another thing you could say is this great American experience or experiment that it's never really been tried like this before. So all of a sudden now this people that sell across the ocean, and we're young. We're only 240-something years old. We're a young country. I mean, I can take you, you can go with me to Europe, and I can, we ate in a restaurant that was, what, 300 years old? The restaurant had, was 300 years old. The building that they were in, uh, you know, was, was 300 years old. I mean, that's nothing to eat in a restaurant in, in, in Paris or in London or somewhere that's 300 years old. And, and so this country is very new. And in the short time that we've been who we are, we have given more money and more assistance and more aid than all of the other countries put together. How did that happen? Well, we were blessed. God blessed America. That's just the, that's how we were founded. But now all of a sudden, we start turning away from this. We start turning to new ideologies. We start turning to new way of thinking. Uh, you know, all this stuff they're trying to teach the kids and all of this stuff, gender identity stuff, blah, 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 blah. All that's against nature, against the word of God. Uh, all of those things. You start doing all of that, then all of a sudden God takes, the word blessed means to have his hand laid upon us. So all of a sudden we go from having the hand of the Lord laid upon us to the hand of the Lord taken off of us as a nation, not as an individual, but as a nation. And so all of a sudden, we start seeing all kinds of stuff. Terrorism happening. We start seeing more and more shootings and school shootings and all kinds of other stuff. Well, you take God out of your schools. Well, yeah, in 63, they, they voted to take it out. In about 68, they had finally, by the 70s, they had gotten God out where they didn't teach school and you didn't say prayers and all of those kind of stuff. So all of a sudden, you get this breaking down of America. You get this break. And when America breaks down, am I boring you? If I'm born, you let me know. Because this is the kind of stuff that, that I do. This is what I think about. This is how 
because I, I, I am a theological soci, uh, uh, sociologist. I'm a, a Bible-based sociologist. I deal with groups of people, how they interact with each other, and how they should interact through the Word of God. And so uh, what you see is that when, when America starts breaking down, the rest of the world starts breaking down because they basically depend on us. They look to us for leadership. They look to us for finances. They look to us for uh, food. Uh, and so when America starts caving in, then all of a sudden, uh, the rest of the world starts caving in, and you get chaos going on. So in this present age, enough of that, okay? What the world needs is the church, this is what I started with Sunday, to be the church. Everybody say, the church be the church. And when we talk about church, we define it Sunday. We're not talking about religion. That's man's personal search for God. Uh, we're not talking about denominationalism. Denominationally, literally, denominee is Latin for to divide, and nations, denominationalism, or denomination, to divide the nations. More wars have been started by religion and religious fighting of one branch of fighting another branch and so on and so forth than any other way that wars start. And so uh, denominationalism will always divide us. Well, I'm... I'm a Pentecostal, well, I'm a Baptist, well, I'm a Methodist, or I'm a Muslim, or I'm a this. When we need to come back to the point that we're all born of God, even if people say there is no God, they're still born of God. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't create their self. We're all children of God. We all have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Whether we accept that death on the cross as our salvation or not is, is irrelevant. It's still there for us. And so when we approach those kind of things, we don't fight against each other. We begin to uh, seek out a relationship with God and seek out a relationship with others. He said, how can I say I love God, whom I've never seen, when I can't love my neighbor or my brother who I do see? So our relationship with God is identified by our relationship with others. So what this world needs now is the church to be the church, not to be religious, not to be just what I think, it ought to be, not to be what denominationalism thinks it ought to be, but it needs to go back to its roots where we find the way the word church started is in the second chapter of Acts, the book of Acts, is where the, on the day of Pentecost when the church started. And so when the church started, that was, that was the disciples of Jesus Christ, and then when he died and he rose and he ascended to heaven, now they become the apostles of Jesus Christ, the apostles of the Lamb, the Bible calls them, and there's 11 of them because uh, Thomas was the doubter and he hung himself. Uh, he committed suicide because he had betrayed the Christ. They cast lots and they came up with a guy named Matthias. And, and, and you never really see him or hear his name really again. Uh, but, but then all of a sudden you see this guy named Saul who is persecuting the Christians. And then he becomes what we know as Paul. And he says, I'm an apostle born out of due season. And so when you see heaven, it's got 12 foundations named after the 12 apostles of the Lamb. It's my, per, my theological position that one of those foundations is going to have Paul's name on it, not Matthias, and that he is one of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. They were given the, the right and the responsibility to loose on earth whatever's loosed in heaven. He said, whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. So they have what's called apostolic authority. So they have the, that's why when Peter begins to preach on the day of Pentecost, then Peter said to them, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What he's doing is exercising apostolic authority. 
when Paul begins to preach to the Corinthians or the Ephesians or uh, to his sons in the Lord, Timothy and Titus, or to the Hebrew church, what he is doing is exercising apostolic. Use that word with me, apostolic. Apostolic authority. So we, what we need is we need to go back to our origin. We need to go back to where the church started because there's about 2,000 years of history and there's been a bunch of crazy stuff. There's been a bunch of crazy stuff happening in church. And I, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm just going to say it. There's been a bunch of crazy stuff happening in church. I mean, you get cults. You get controversies. You get confusion. Are you ready for this? You get torture. How many of you ever seen those movies where dungeons and all of that, and they're plucking people's eyeballs out, and they're branding them with a hot iron, and they're putting them on the rack, and they're stretching them? Do you know where the torture chambers were? They were in the basements of the Catholic Church. Literally, those people were being tortured because they believed something different than what they were being taught at the time, and they were called heretics, and they began to do those. Go study it. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. That's in the Dark Ages. When, when the church, and that, because of that religious uh, control and religious pressure, then you get uh, the, the, the pilgrims coming over to the United States because it had become so pitiful, and in, in, in the breakdown, they were persecuting anybody that wasn't like them. So religion in itself, and, and it, it, there's been some bad stuff happen in churches, okay? And so it's not enough for me to just say, well, I go to a Pentecostal church because my mom and dad went to a Pentecostal church. Or I go to a Baptist church because my granddad was Baptist, okay? Or I go to a Catholic because my family's been Catholic for 200 years or 300 years. We, we're, uh, worse than that, I'm a Latino. My name is Perez. And don't you know all Latinos go to Catholic churches? You, you see where that goes? You see that, that, and so we're not, I'm not castigating any one church. I don't need to go back to what my mother and father did. I don't need to go back to what my grandfather did. I need to go all the way back to the beginning because what the world needs now is apostolic identity. They need us to be the church that was in the first century because this thing is, is, is going to wrap up. It's, it's, it's getting close to the Lord. He could come back today. He could come back right now. And, and the world is, is in a bad place. And the world does not need another steeple or another padded pew. What the world needs is you to be the church that God called you to be. The word church literally means the called out ones. These that have been called out of darkness. It does not mean steeples and stained glass. It does not mean pulpits and pastors. It does not mean pews. It means the called out ones. That you were lost, but now you're found. You were in the darkness, but now you've been brought into this marvelous light. I've been called into this thing. And you've accepted the calling into the church. So when I say the church needs to be the church, don't look up here. He said, well, preacher, just preach it, and I'll do whatever you say. Look in here. Look introspectively and say, I need to be the church. I need to be the church that started as a church. We have some wonderful traditions in the United Pentecostal Church. We have some wonderful traditions or wonderful traditions in every denomination. Okay. I don't care about our traditions. I don't care about our southern traditions. I'm a southerner. I'm a Texan. And I went to Texas A&M. And if you didn't go there, you didn't go to school anywhere. Amen. Gigamaggies. Okay, that's my shot, okay? But I'm very proud of my personal heritage. 
but I'm being funny. And I, and, and, but I'm not going to castigate you because you went to the University of Texas. I'm just going to pray for you. If you went to Texas Tech, I'm not going to say, well, by God, your, your Texas Tech education is not as good as my education. Or your, your heritage there. Or don't you know A&M's got the best traditions and all. We can argue that stuff till we're nuts. We've got Cath, uh, uh, California folks here. I can say, oh, Texans, and we brag, and we like to cut up and pick on our California friends that have come, and we, we love you. Amen. Like I said, we were born here. You guys made a choice. Y'all, I mean, y'all made a choice to come here. I mean, that, that, that's special. Amen. And uh, we just, we had to take it because we were born here, you know. But you guys made a choice to come here. But it's not a matter of California. It doesn't matter if you're a Texan. It doesn't matter what my culture is. It doesn't matter what my church culture is. What matters is thus saith the word of the Lord. And what's going to change the world is if we get back to being what God intended for the church to be. And when we go back to that, I promise you the first church did not have purple lights, pulpits, or microphones. They didn't have a Facebook person that's live in the middle of service posting somebody on the back here, answering somebody while, they're, while, while we're on live. They didn't have any of that. Is that bad? No, that's not bad. Is it a tool we can use? Yes, it's a tool we can use. But is that apostolic? It's absolutely not apostolic. But what might be apostolic is to share the gospel in any way you can using every tool you have, and every, even if it breaks cultural and traditional norms, I'm the guy that stood in this in this church, and my wife and I gave our given thirty. I've given on. I've been here a long time. I was raised in this church, and then backslid, and you don't know my story. And went into the world, and then came back, and then professional. Then uh, came the pastor here thirty-two years ago. My dad and mom started this church in 1973, 49 years ago, and this is all I know. But, I, I mean, I'm very invested in these pews. I'm very invested. My wife picked out the color of the carpet. I did most of the trim work up here on the platform with my own hands. I like the way we built the church originally in a colonial style, very traditional. I love it. Matter of fact, I loved it so much, I gave a whole bunch of my money to it. And then I took a sledgehammer to it because it really isn't what I like. If I'm going to be the church, I've got to be able to break my own traditions I've got to break my own desires and say, look, I'm, I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I'm baptized in Jesus' name. I'm living the best I can, and I'm living in the mercy and the grace of God. But I, I want to share this with somebody else. And in this new world, one of the best ways we had a person here Sunday come up and shook my hand. I said, hey, is this your first time here? Yes, it is, but I've been listening to you preach. Man, that sermon, and they started telling me what I've been preaching. Never been in the building before, but started telling me about my last three sermons that I had preached. You know why? Because of all of those tools we talked about. So I, I stood in here a few years back and said, I'll never nightclub up my church. Shazam, and here we are. <laughs> Purple walls, spotlights, you know, blacked out ceiling. I mean, I, whoever thought we'd do this to a church house. But what I'm trying to tell you, it doesn't matter what we do to the church house because the church house is not the church. The church house is only a tool. Its location is a tool. Its, its pews are a, a tool. Its microphones are a tool. These are a tool to be who the church is supposed to be. So we have a lot of trappings of church, 2,000 years of, of traditions and trappings and culture and, and all of this. And whether you come from this type of church or this kind of church or, well, we've always done it this way. Okay, that's cool. 
we've always done it this way, y'all have always done it that way. Let's go back and see what the Word of God says. Let's jump all the way back to the first day it started and say, I'm willing to lay down my traditions. I'm willing to, to step back from my traditions and my culture a little bit to make sure I am the apostolic church and I, am, I have my apostolic identity because what I want more than anything else is to help win the loss, change the world, be ready for the Lord to come back and make a difference in this world today. How, how many people feel that way? I mean, that's, I mean, it's what it's really all about. I'm trying to be happy, I'm trying to be saved, and I'm trying to share this good news with everybody I know that Jesus Christ loves them, and he wants them not to go to hell, but wants them to go to heaven. Okay, and, that's, and, and he loves them. I mean, and, and, and he just, he always has and he always will. And, and, and right now his mercy endure forever, but there's going to come a day of judgment. And so before that day of judgment, you need to just know the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to seek him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. So that's what we're here to do. So what do I need to, what do I need to go back and pick up? What, what was apostolic identity? That's where I'm trying to get with this, this when I'm, diving deep in this tonight what really is apostolic identity what uh, is it is it our is it our songs that we sing well you know they're not these are new songs some of them are some of them are older but these songs are, are recent songs they're, so they didn't sing the same songs but is singing songs part of apostolic identity absolutely the bible said they encourage your brother with uh, hymns and, and spiritual songs Amen. So, uh, talking about making a joyful noise in the Lord, talking about coming to his presence with thanksgiving and singing. So, what we sing is not as important as that we sing. How we worship, pray for you, Brother Scott. Amen. If you take off running again, I'm really going to pray for you. Amen. Uh, I'm not a runner. I told you I was more of a roller. Amen. Because uh, if I fall down, I'm just going to keep rolling until somebody picks me back up. Amen. <laughs> and, uh, but, but how, how you know, you may run, somebody else may never run. That's okay. That's okay. That's your expression of how you feel on the inside. We give you the liberty to do that as long as you do it with your eyes open and you don't run over anybody. If you run over somebody, you're going to get a ticket. We're going to write you a ticket. Amen. Just pick it. Amen. But, I mean, it's, it's your expression of worship. Okay. So, we, we want to go back and find out what is my apostolic identity because it is the only thing that's going to cure us. And so what we did on Sundays, we went back to the Word of God where, um, where Jesus was speaking, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, it was describing the book of Acts chapter 4 uh, where Peter and John had just gone to the temple in Acts chapter 3 and there was a lame man laying by the gate beautiful, uh, the eastern gate, and he said, uh, they looked upon them expecting to receive. If you don't know the story, go home and read it. It's Acts chapter 3. And he said, alms, alms. And, he, and they, he looked upon Peter and John expecting to receive something. They said, silver and gold have I not, but such as I have, I give unto thee. Okay. So what, what did he, and, and the Bible said, he said, take up thy bed and walk. So immediately the man jumps up to his feet, picks up his bed, starts running and leaping through church. Kind of like Scott did, except you didn't have your bed with you. Amen. But he went running and leaping and praising God and went screaming and hollering, loud voice, disruptive, kind of weird, real weird. Isn't that the guy? Yeah, that was the guy. Did what? I don't know. How did that happen? He was disruptive. Certainly the people running the church service didn't like it. The, the Pharisees were running the house, you know, because they, the, they were the Pentecost, or not, excuse me, they were the, the, the <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't mean that. They, they were the ultra-conservatives, 
Okay, and they're running, and the scribes is over there, and they're the rich folks waiting for, you know, just to make another coin off the whole thing. They had kind of a market going there. You know, they were making a little money on church, and this guy's like freaking out, and what are y'all doing? What happened here? And, and so what, we got to get to the bottom of this. What just happened? How did that happen? Well, that was the guy laying by. So they bring him in before a hearing, a church hearing. And they said, you're breaking the norms. You're not like what we like church to be like. You're, you're breaking our, our system. And, and, and their system was fraud. Their system has not been working. Uh, and there was no Ark of the Covenant there. And the atonement of sins hadn't happened for 400 years. It was just a joke. It was a, a, a sham of religion. And, and you're messing up our, our game here. You're messing up our, our, our merchandise. Jesus had taken a whip. He had braided a whip and ran them out of there and said, my house is supposed to be a house of prayer, but you made it a den of thieves. And this is the state of the church. And all of a sudden, this guy's disrupted by jumping, running, uh, being healed, messed up things. <laughs> really messed up things because God really did something there. And so they called them the next day in Acts 4 for a hearing. And we, they said, we want to know how this happened. We want to know what's going on here. Well, at that point, Peter and John preached them a great sermon. Said, that Jesus y'all just killed? He was both Lord and Christ. He was the Messiah we've been looking for. Y'all missed him. The church world missed him. But he was our Savior. And he rose from the grave and he's ascended unto glory. And now he is the visible image of the invisible God for all of eternity. And, da, 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 da. and it's the one you crucified. And it's by his name that we have done this. And there the man standing there probably still has his bed beside him as a testimony, rolled up, his little bed rolled, and he just kind of stands there going, look, look, look. And it's my turn, my turn to talk. And so finally they, they look at him, and they see the guy standing there that they knew had been lame. They had all seen him at church every single week. Nothing had happened. He had been lame forever. He was always going to be lame. He was just going to be a beggar at church. Until one day, not Jesus, but the church, the disciples, now apostles, the church, the called out ones, some of the 120 from the day of Pentecost are now saying, I don't have any money, but I got something better than that. I got apostolic identity. Let me tell you, let me tell you what I do have. I have, and they said, he stands here because we did two things. One is we used the name of Jesus. Please say it with me, Jesus. It is the most powerful name that you know. All power, the Bible said, in heaven and in earth is invested in the name of Jesus. The Bible said the devil knows that there's one God. The devil knows his name and the devil is afraid of the name of Jesus. He knows the devil is a spirit. He is a, a, a celestial uh, being, and he is a created being, and he knows now who Jesus is. He knows that he was God manifest in the flesh, and now is the visible, is the visible image of the eternal Father in a physical form who has ascended into his place in glory. But that is not what he's afraid of anymore because Jesus didn't walk in the earth anymore. 
You didn't see Jesus last night before you went to bed. You're not going to see him uh, in this service sitting on a pew. You're not going to meet him. The only time you're ever going to see him is in the air one day, and it'll be too late to get to meet him if you hadn't already met him before then. So how do we know Jesus now? We know Jesus by the Holy Spirit that was in Christ Jesus. He ascended in glory. He said, I'm with you, but in a few days, I'm going to be in you. This blew their mind. They didn't know, that. what, cannibalism? What we got going on here? You know, you got, I, I'm with you, but in a few days I'm going to be in you? How's that work? Well, after they received the Holy Ghost, they understood that the same spirit that was in Jesus Christ, which was the eternal spirit of the Father, was in the man Christ Jesus and is forevermore. Now a portion of his spirit, the Bible calls it earnest, the earnest of an inheritance, the down payment on the eternal spirit, is possible to be placed in us that's what happens when you're filled with the holy ghost or the holy spirit so these guys had been filled with the same not all of the spirit of god because the bible said in jesus dwelled in the man christ jesus dwelled the fullness of the godhead in a bodily form in the man christ jesus we don't have the fullness of god in us we have a earnest a little bit of the Holy Spirit of God in us. So when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ and you say, Lord, I want to serve you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind and all of my strength, you turn away from your iniquity, you turn your, your heart and your mind to God in that manner. That's what repentance sounds like. It literally sounds like, God, I want to serve you. I don't want my will, I want your will. And when you do that, you open yourself up for the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God comes into you. It fills you up. And it is not natural. Everybody say supernatural. Please don't be afraid of that word. Because if we're going to be the apostolic church, we have to begin to not only develop, but to demonstrate the supernatural. Now, how many knows about superheroes? I preached a message a few years ago called Superheroes Are Real. And I put all those characters up there, Spider-Man and I don't know, all them Aquamans and ladies and all of that up there. But that ain't the superheroes I'm talking about. You, the church, are the superheroes because you're supernatural if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Let's take the word and mess with it a minute because we're on Wednesday night, okay? The word supernatural means beyond nature. What you see with me right now is a natural man, okay? When I sit down and figure my bills, I'm using my carnal the bible calls it my natural way of thinking to figure the bills but i can move while i'm paying my bills from the natural into the supernatural very easily you know how i do that i take my whole check and i take 10 percent of it and i say i'm going to take 10 percent of this because the word of the lord says the tithe is holy and belongs unto the lord well that ain't natural <laughs> Let me just tell you right now, that ain't natural, man. I didn't make it but to the third grade, but I can tell you, too. If I have a, the sum of 10 and I take away a part, how do I get more than what I had? That math don't work in my natural way of thinking. But if I want to move into the supernatural, I say, you know what? I'm going to trust God at his word. I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to take and crucify my natural thinking 
and I'm going to take 10% of my income and I'm going to give it back to God because it belongs to him. And he says, it's holy and it belongs unto me. And he said, prove me herewith and see if I won't do something supernatural in your life. If I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out on you a blessing that you are not able to contain. I'm talking about how to move from the natural into the supernatural. Now, if you say, you know, I just have a hard time paying tithes. I just don't know if I can make the bills work. I can understand that. I went to school too. Beyond the third grade. I get it. There is no math equation that explains that math. You can't take trigonometry. You can't take analytics. You can't take any kind of calculus and figure out how if you take away a part of the whole that the sum of the part left over is greater than the whole. You can't. You just can't. It just it doesn't work in your mind. It never will work. Don't ever try to figure it out in your mind because you'll just be carnal. Natural. Carnal means of the human way of thinking. And you'll only get what carnal people get. You'll never get supernatural. You'll never get beyond natural. But the Lord said, prove me herewith. Try me. Check it out. Literally, test me is what the word means. And see if I won't. Do this, this, and this. If I won't open the window of heaven, if I won't rebuke the devourer, if I won't do this, that you are not able to contain. And so when we do that in faith, we open up the supernatural to work in our finances. And he said, I'll bless you 30 times over. Some of you 60 times over. And some 100 times over. I will bless you. It's all of a sudden, you move from physical math, carnal math, Excuse the expression, worldly math, and I just want to say the way you were taught in school, the carnal way, the, the natural way, the, 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 uh, the intellectual way, into a spirit realm that you have tried. Now, let me ask you this, and there's some of you at home, just raise your hand at home, and we'll believe in faith that you're watching. Amen. But how many of you have ever tried tithing and it's worked? If you've ever done that and it's worked, hold your hand up. Amen. You tried tithing and it worked. Amen. That you've got an unexplained, undeniable multiplication of, of return. And, 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 and so you, you say, how does that happen? Because I moved into the supernatural. So what the world is looking for, this is why I'm trying to use the illustration of tithing. It's not on tithing. It's not on money. This is on the supernatural. I'm trying to use the, the, let you to understand that what the world needs is for us to have our apostolic identity, for us not to be able to free, uh, be afraid to talk about supernatural things to beyond human understanding, beyond human reason. Um, how many's ever prayed for somebody and they've been healed? How many's ever prayed for somebody and seen a healing? Okay, a true healing. Okay, that the doctor said, wow, that can't be. And all of a sudden they come back and say, wow, that is. I don't know what happened. I can't explain. Anybody's got those testimonies? I mean, I mean, they're not every 15 minutes, but we got them. Amen. How many people's got them? Amen. And, and that's something that you can lean on. What, what happened there? Natural healing says they shouldn't heal. Doctor says there's no hope. And all of a sudden, well, now there is hope, and now healing has occurred. That's something beyond nature, beyond what naturally should have occurred. Something now supernaturally has occurred. So the apostolic church operated in two arenas. They operated in the physical the supernatural in the physical, okay? I'm going to demonstrate this next one in a minute, so I was trying to see how many children we had here tonight, so let them keep playing on the game, boys, when I do this next one. My wife's shaking her head. 
Okay, she's getting nervous now. My wife's getting really nervous over here. Uh, her eyebrows are twitching. Amen. So they operated, let, let's go back. Okay, they operated in two areas. The supernatural in the physical realm. Okay, um, this is something that you can touch, feel, see. Um, how many knows the story of the lady with the mill barrel? Said, you know, go make a cake first and then come back and make one for you. I only have enough for one cake. When she went back, there was enough for the next cake. And the Bible said her mill barrel didn't run dry. That was a physical miracle. I mean, literally, the meal did not run out. You could see it, you could touch it, you could make a cake with it, you could eat it. The next morning, she opened up the meal barrel, and it was there again. Wait a minute, I used it all last night. It doesn't matter, it's still there again this morning. Okay, that is in the physical realm. So the, 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 the apostolic church operated in the miraculous in this physical realm. Literally, miraculous things occurred. And we all want to see somebody raised from the dead. Okay. I mean, I've seen it happen twice in my life. I'm 40, uh, 50, 58, going to be 59 in July. And I've seen it twice. I was a very young child. A baby died of SIDS in church. Uh, was, the baby just turned completely purple and black and had been wrapped up in a blanket for quite some time. Stiff, the baby had been dead for quite some time in church service. The mom thought the baby was sleeping, screaming, hollering, ran to the front. Uh, there's no 911 in those days. I'm that old that there was no 911. And so they ran to the front, preacher laid hands on them, and the baby came back to life in a few minutes. Uh, no pulse, no, no temperature, no nothing, came back to life. And then in our own service a few years back, right after my wife and I's marriage, or a little while, five or ten years in our marriage, something I can't remember, uh, Brother Sanders killed over dead in church, literally killed over dead. We had two doctors and a couple of nurses there in the service, that, or one doctor and two nurses in the service that day. They started working on him, boom, boom, all the stuff. Somebody dialed 911 because we did have 911. He's gone, he's out, 15 minutes or so out. Finally, they just backed up, he, you no know, pulse, no nothing, and prayed for him, and boom, he sets up and goes, why y'all got my clothes off? You know what? He was kind of putting his shirt back on and everything. You know, like, if you were there in that service, you remember it. It was, it was unforgettable. I mean, it was in the old building, and, and, and it was unreal. So we all, we all want to see somebody raised from the dead because that's a miracle. Okay. All right, we have any volunteers? Anybody want to die tonight? <laughs> we all want blind eyes open, you know, but nobody wants to go blind to get them open. We all want to see a healing, but nobody wants to get cancer to get healed. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we just don't, we don't sign up for that stuff. But there's more to it than just those physical miracles. How about marriages that are hopelessly ruined and God puts them back together? What about relationships that are just torn to pieces? What about uh, somebody that was, uh, you know, molested as a child by somebody they, they, they should have been able to trust and, and that damage is eternally done or, 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 for a lifetime to their heart and so all of a sudden Jesus comes in and, and, and heals that broken heart. What about those kind of things? Okay, so there, we, we see miracles all the time. They're not just blind eyes open. They're, the, the, the miraculous still happens. But we need, the world needs, we need it for ourselves, and the world needs it because it's the only hope this crazy world has is to go beyond nature to go beyond what the government can do, to go beyond what an army can do, to go beyond what we can figure out with pencils and calculators and computers and all that. We need a supernatural intervention in the world today. Not so the world will be a greener, better place. Not so that the elements won't melt with fervent heat. 
Not so that the polar ice caps won't melt. Not so that everything you see won't be destroyed. That's going to happen because the Bible said it's going to happen. But so that people will understand that when it happens, the Lord's going to take his church out of here. And if you're a child of God and you've accepted that and recognized that and are sealed with his Holy Spirit to have his name on you applied to you, he's going to suck you out of here while this thing caves in and he's going to build a new heaven and a new earth and we're going to live with him forever. I mean, that's, that's the storyline that we're preaching and selling and telling everyone. And so the world needs us to be operating beyond, if they just need a natural church, then they don't need a church at all. They just need an organization or some 501c3 or some charitable entity or whatever. They don't need a church. The church is all, has, the, the apostolic church was always disruptive in the sense that it was not normal. It was not natural. I'm not asking you to be weird just for weird sake. I'm not, that's not what this is about. It's about saying, you know what? I need to not be afraid to speak in the supernatural and to act in the supernatural. I'm, as a matter of fact, that I must develop in my Christian walk. And I must not only develop it, but I must demonstrate it. Here's the problem. Oh, my God, I'm jumping to the end before it. The problem is a lot of people of us, I'll, I'll preach to me. A lot of us have developed it, but have not demonstrated it. Now, I'll just say me, we'll just all get involved, okay? Because I don't want to point any fingers out to you, because you can point some at me. But I know what an apostolic should be. I know what apostolic identity is. But do I always exercise it and demonstrate it? Well, there might be some time, well, they probably don't want me to go over there and talk to them. The Lord move on your heart and say, I need to go talk to somebody at that restaurant. I need to go visit with them, and I might think, well, maybe that's just me or the pizza I'm eating. I don't, I'll, I, if I feel this way the next time I see them, which I'll probably never see them again, but you know how we do. But the world needs us to operate in the supernatural. It needs us to demonstrate, to develop it first and to demonstrate it in our daily lives. Not tomorrow, the next day. You need to, if God tarries and we get to wake up tomorrow, you need to exercise the name of Jesus. And you need to develop and demonstrate it. I don't care if it's just a little bit. If it's just a little bit of faith. And you don't even know how. Start with your giving. Start with giving a, a, a seed offering to, uh, to the children's ministry. Start with uh, uh, sending some money to some kids in, in Burma or Africa or wherever one of our mission works. Amen. You're not going to get any of that money back. Someone said, well, the government give me a little back on my taxes. Oh, forget it. They give you a tax credit anyway, $3,200. You, you unless you're giving over that, you, 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 you know what I'm saying? Don't do it for that reason, but take your tax credit anyway. Amen. But don't, don't do it for that reason. You're giving it without expecting to return. You're just giving it like God gave to us. I'm just giving it because I want to try this out, and I want to see what God can do in the supernatural. I want to see what my money can do over there, and I want to see what God can do back in my life. You can move into the supernatural in that way, in finances, and, and, in, and then how you live your life, and, and how, you, how you make decisions, and those kind of things. And then once you start developing that supernatural in your life, in that physical realm, where you're, where you're believing God that this job is, is for real, brother, uh, uh, where's Brother French? He's probably working tonight. Amen. Uh, brother French, uh, 
the Lord spoke, and he's a, a, a big plant that makes a bunch of buildings. And he started as the lowest worker, just literally walked in and started working at the base level. And the Holy Ghost spoke in the service, and I prophesied. It wasn't me. The Lord spoke through me. Kind of scared me when it happened. I said, you're going to run that plant that you're, you're working at. Well, he runs the plant now. I mean, got a bunch of guys working for him. He does a good job. Set records for the company. So many records that they're trying to hire him away to go to Houston to make more money. But, and he had, he had to deal with that. He had to, he had to reckon with that. He had to fight with that a little bit. But he said, you know what? God said here. God said here. And if God can do it here and he said here, then there's nothing special about Houston. It's God said here. And, and, and he stood on that. I, he told me it was that Wednesday night that Brother Whittemore was praying. And he got out in the aisle. He said, God said here. And he spelled it out to me like I couldn't spell here. Amen. And, and he said, God said here. And he said, if God, you see, that's stepping out in the supernatural because the natural says, cha-ching. If I move there, they'll give me 50000 more than I'm making here. Cha-ching. But you start thinking like the world, you're going to end up getting what the world gets. You're going to end up being. But if you start saying, okay, God, thy will or, or, or my will, what do, what do I think or what do you want? You move into the supernatural and you will begin to see the supernatural in your own life. Now, the only way you're going to make it out of here, Sister Patsy, or you're going to make it out of here, or you're going to make it out of here, or you're going to make it out of here, is by the supernatural. You don't believe me? Step out in the aisle and try to fly. Flap your wings all you want, honey. You ain't leaving the ground. But you're made to fly. Your feet are going to leave the ground one of these days. And it's not going to be because you're flapping your wings. It's because your ear is going to be tuned to the sound of a trumpet. And you're going to hear your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said, Come up here. Come on up. I'm done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And that's going to be in a supernatural fashion. And if you don't start exercising the supernatural now, how do you ever believe you're going to fly then? We need to be activating and operating, developing and demonstrating the supernatural. Activating, operating, developing, and demonstrating the supernatural. Now, so far, I've just talked about supernatural in the physical realm. These are called signs and wonders. Everybody say signs, wonders, and miraculous. Everybody say miracles. Now, here's the deal. You come up here for me to pray for you on Sunday, Brother Allen. I'm going to pick on you. Just because I feel like picking on you. Amen. You're just sitting there and you're such an easy target. Just boom, I got your eyeballs contact. No, I'm just saying that to keep them awake, Alan. They're, I'm just messing with you. But you come up here Sunday and you say, Pastor, got a little cold. I think it's maybe my allergies or something. I don't know. It's not COVID. I've already been tested 76 times at work and they know I don't have COVID. So I don't have COVID, but, you know, I got this nasal thing working. And, Pastor, can, can you pray for me that God will heal me? So, certainly. The Bible said, if there's any sick among you, let them call for elder church, known with oil, pray the prayer of faith, the sick shall recover, they've committed any sins, it shall be forgiven them. That's obviously I can do that. Brother Allen, I get a little oil on my hands. I mean, this is holy oil too. I don't even know where it came from. It must have come straight from the Holy Land, because it, it floats when y'all are not here. It just levitates up in the air and stop. Get Crisco. Get get Wesson. It doesn't matter. The oil is not where the power is. The power is in the supernatural in your faith. There is no power in the oil. There is power in obedience, in believing in faith that what you are doing is going to work because you're not doing it because you can understand it. It does not make sense to take some oil that I got for $30 a bottle down at the Bible bookstore and 
put it on your head like it's some sort of potion and you be healed. That is not what works. What works is, is your faith enough to believe in the stripes that Jesus Christ bore on his back for your healing and to say, it happened 2,000 years ago. I didn't see it, but I believe it happened and by his stripes I am healed and you stand on his word and his works and you accept that healing in your life. Now, you pray for me to heal you, Brother Allen. You shake two times, get goosebumps. I know how you do your shoulders. I've pastored you all these years. Woo! Boy, he gets it, man. I know what Alan's getting him. Boy, he gets his shoulders going. Woo! 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 Brother, I'm, we've been, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it, Alan. We, we have a good time up here. And he walks around and wipes his nose on the way back to his pew. Coughs when he sets down. And I'm saying, thank God for his healing. Now, what Alan really meant to say is, Pastor... I want you to pray for God to do a miracle. Because what Alan really wanted was the sniveling to stop before he gets back to the pew. And what he really wanted was his eyes to quit running and that little low-grade fever he gets from cedar fever to stop that we all get every year when they start end of May, 1st of June, when all those cedar trees go nuts around here. What he really wants is a miracle. Okay? And if he comes up and say, Lord, brother, uh, brother, uh, Sharp, I want the Lord to do a miracle in my life. I want him to stop cedar fever. I'm going to say, have you ever heard of Zyrtec? Have you tried Claritin lately? Okay. But I'll just tell you. I'm picking on you, Allie. We're having fun. We're having fun. This didn't happen, okay? I'm making this up. I'm just picking on him, literally. Okay. But that cold, Alan, that we're picking on you about, or that allergies that we're picking on you about, last March or April or May, whenever you got it. I don't know. You didn't have it. I'm making it up. When you came up and you asked for prayer, did it kill you? It's not a trick question. There you go. I'm still here, he said. It didn't kill you. So evidently, help me now, God healed you. Because if he didn't heal you, that cold you got would be what put you in the grave. Because healing, by speaking it in faith, and you say, well, I don't understand that. I, well, that just makes a simplistic view of it. I don't know about that. You let God quit healing you, and it ain't simplistic. You start growing a tumor in your body that ain't supposed to be there. They call it cancer. And you start going, how'd that happen? What'd you do to deserve that? Nothing. Okay, but that just happens. So what we got to believe is for healing. We got to believe that our body's healing. Cancer survivor, cancer survivor. We got other cancer survivors in here. Somebody said, well... Really, though, it was chemo and radiation that did it for me, and they did this and that. Okay, let me tell you the story of 20,000, 30,000 people that died of cancer that the chemo and the radiation didn't heal. You see that? Now, can he do the miraculous still? Can somebody come down here, literally walk up to the front, and all of a sudden, before they get back to their pew, the ailment or the condition be miraculously healed in an instant? Absolutely he can we see those miraculous things every once in a while. Now, God does not do that because he, uh, every single time you get prayed for, he does not do that every time you get a head cold or allergies or he'd put Zyrtec out of business. They'd go bankrupt. Aspirin wouldn't be needed. Tylenol would be gone. Okay? And these are all things that God has given us the wisdom to use in our life. So it's, well, I'm only organic. Okay, drink all that vinegar you want and all that stuff. That's fine, too. It's just all potions and, and this and that. It could work and it might not work. But we know our body, God created us to heal. When we stop healing, we die. That's called a disease when our body quits healing. 
Okay, so we pray for it. Now, what about that miracle stuff? I want a miracle. Well, certainly I do too. I want a miracle in my finances. I want $1.2 million in my bank account right now. Lord, I have prayed my tithes. I even gave a good offering to the children's ministry. Lord, I'm going to go check it right now. See, we want a miracle. But God may be trying to get you to buy the right house that doubles in value in the next three years. Somebody help me now. God may be wanting to... Sister Priscilla will sell you one, she said. Amen. Amen. She'll sign you up. Amen. Okay. God may be wanting to give you an acorn and you want the oak tree. You see, we got to let all this work. Miracle, miracles are not done necessarily. You know, Lazarus, it was pretty incredible. He'd been dead for three days. He rolled the tomb. Y'all may know the story right before Jesus was crucified. Last miracle he did, you know, that boom, come out, Lazarus. They rolled back. Oh, don't, Lord, he stinks. He's rotten in there by now. Don't do that. Roll the back. Boom, here he comes out. Lazarus comes walking out. Lazarus was raised from the dead. How many people know that? Had nothing at all to do with Lazarus. Now, he's pretty happy because he went in and partied with them afterwards. No, really, really, reading your Bible, he went and had a big celebration afterwards, and the whole city heard about it, and Lazarus was like on the 6 o'clock news. He made every, every religious television station that there was that week. They interviewed him on Fox News. This is Lazarus, who was dead and now is alive. The entire, y'all know about Fox News. It wasn't around, okay, I'm just playing. But it's the same thing. Everybody knew about Lazarus. This is a guy who was dead for three days, Surely he's thinking, now he's here. Look, he's having a hot dog. Rah, rah, rah. He, he's alive. Hey, Mom, how you doing? He's alive. Anybody heard the news, though? Lazarus is dead now. He's still dead now. He was alive. He lived, but he died again. Well, hang on. Lazarus, we want you to do it again, Lord. Bring him back. Bring him back one more time, Lord. Bring him back again. He'll be on one of those TV shows, The Immortals or something, you know. That's not why the Lord does a miracle, so that Lazarus can get up and have another hot dog, go to another party. He did a miracle to show that if I can raise Lazarus after being in the grave three days, oh, come on, somebody help me, it's almost Easter. Come on, you know, if you don't know where I'm going, you need to know where I'm going. I can show you, I can raise Lazarus from the dead who's been in the grave for three days, then you better believe when I told you I'm going to be in the earth for three days and on the third day I'm going to rise again. It's not coincidence that it was the last miracle that he did before the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. He was trying to show them a physical, miraculous situation that look at what I did for Lazarus. Look that I, can, I have power over death is what he was saying. So the miracles happen not for you. And they don't happen for the person that laid hands on you. If anybody, listen carefully. Not one time will you see Jesus posting on Facebook, I healed six people this week. Not one time will you see him raising a flag and say, I'm the guy that healed all those lepers. Nobody gives me credit. Matter of fact, he said, Go and show yourself to the priest and shh, tell no man that I did it. Because it wasn't me that did it, but it was the work of the Father. It was the Spirit of God in me. Don't give any credit to the flesh, but it's God that works through us. So the miraculous does not happen for the person that's getting the miracle, and it does not happen to the person that's doing the miracle. So why does God do miracles? Because there are people that don't believe in God. There are unbelievers. But when they see Holy moly, that is Lazarus. <laughs> That's him. <laughs> what in the world's going on? 
And they start seeing Lazarus come out of the tomb. I don't even go to church. I don't even believe in God. But something there just happened. What meaneth this? What is going on? Would somebody tell me what just happened? That guy was laying by the gate for all of those years. That man was laying by Bethesda, the pool of Bethesda, for 30-some-odd years, and now he's up and he's walking around. How did this happen? And there you go. That's the reason for the miraculous. Healing is for your body. Healing is for, the, for an individual so that you can go on living and go on doing working and those things. The supernatural miracles are so that people that don't believe in God can see what God has done in your life and say, unbelievable but undeniable. I can't understand it, but I can't deny it. So, we need to operate in the supernatural in which God gets the glory. We need to be not afraid to give people a word, a word of knowledge. Sunday, I began to operate in what's called apostolic authority. There was somebody called me Sunday afternoon and said, hey, pastor, you were talking about something. You came and you gave me a word. Can you please repeat that word to me? And I said, you're going to have to help me a little bit. And they said, well, you said something about, oh, no. I said, oh, yeah, I remember. You know why I couldn't remember what I said to them? Because it was not me saying it. Am I spooking you out? It sounded like my voice. This is Pastor Sharp. His voice. Y'all didn't know the voice of God sounds like this, did you? I can tell you what the voice of God sounds like. It sounds like your voice. And your voice, when you'll lend your mouth to him, when you'll let him move through you with the, the, the gifts of the Spirit and, and be used in giving a word of encouragement, or you'll be used and, and, and let God begin to use you and begin to exercise and demonstrate that. So Sunday, I, I, I said, you know what? I'm not just going to preach about it. I'm going to... I'm going to operate in apostolic authority and in the apostolic gifts. So I began to allow the Holy Spirit to, I went up to a brand new person, sitting on the back row, never met them before. They're, I think their first service here, whatever, and they were back there somewhere, and I went up to them, and I felt in the Holy Ghost to go back and pray. I can't remember where, maybe it wasn't over there, I can't remember where it was at. It don't even matter where it was at. And I went up to them, and before I prayed for them, they could see me coming. They were kind of doing that thing out of the side of their eyes, you know, like, oh, my God, I hope he don't come down this aisle. Oh, here he comes. Oh, don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. And so I moved right around in front of them so they couldn't help. And I said, hello. Now I'm sweating and panting and hollering up here all this for an hour, you know. And here, now I'm just going, hey, how are you doing? I don't have my FM stereo voice. I don't have my, yeah, hey, I'll say to the how are thou doing? That's so corny. I can't take it when people do that, especially preachers. Hey, hey, you know, and all that stuff, you know. I said, hey, how's it going? My wife said, stop. Okay, I got to behave. I'm just having too much fun. I only have 10 more minutes and I'm done. Okay. And so, <laughs> this is kind of fun, though. And so I just said, hey, how are you doing? I could tell they, they kind of looked like, well, he is sane. I guess he's talking normal, you know, not in some strange voice. And I said, you know, I just felt they had to come back here and, and all service while I've been preaching. I just felt something when I was preaching. Like, and, and I can tell you, you, if you're not a preacher, you don't understand this, but when you're preaching, you can tell who's listening or not. And I can tell who's not listening. I can tell who, who's suck. It's like a, a sponge sucking water in. In the Bible, Jesus referred to it, I felt virtue leaving my body. You can feel the virtue. You can feel people that have, I just want to touch the hem of his garment, spirit. I, if, I can just, if I can just get a word from God today, they come hungry for that to the house of the Lord. And you can, you can tell others that are just like, ah, 
chicken. I need to go, you know. And so I could tell while I was preaching the Holy Ghost, and I just decided to operate in that apostolic authority. I said, the whole time I was preaching today, I could feel the Holy Ghost dealing with you, and you were receiving something. And as soon as I said it, boom, tears started coming down their eyes, down their face, began to cry, and started shaking all over. And I said, do you mind if I pray for you? No, please pray for me. And God did a supernatural work. I don't even know their name. I can't even remember what their face looks like at this point. And I bet you they don't even hardly remember my name. And they don't need to know my name. But they need to know by the name of Jesus Christ, these things were done. And they need to know it's not just a preacher that does them. It's every part of the church, every single person. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. In my name shall they speak with new tongues. In my name shall they take up serpents and they, well, they won't hurt them. And they drink anything, deadly thing you want. The miraculous, the supernatural, the wonders, the things that blow people's mind. The church needs to be operating in that realm. And if we don't operate in that realm, who's going to do it? If the church doesn't, who's going to do it? No one. We're just going to keep getting what we've always gotten. Weird stuff in religion and crazy stuff in churches and Strange stuff. What the world needs is a supernatural church working in their apostolic authority and apostolic identity. And I've got seven minutes, and my wife stepped out, so I may have eight minutes. If she comes back, I'm in trouble. But she keeps me on a tight chain, getting me out of here at 8.30s. You know, anyway, that's another story. I'm wasting my time. So I'm going to tell you the other part that I wasn't going to tell you a while ago, and you're taking one of the kids out, so it's going to be good. The other part that we need to operate in is not just in meal barrels and temperatures and fevers and jobs and things that we can see and touch. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. This is going to be their apostolic identity. You know what the very first thing he said? They will cast out devils in my name. Oh, pastor, I'm going to call you. No, no, it didn't say pastors will cast out devils in my name. It said, they. Who is they? The apostolic church. The apostolic believers. You say, oh, Brother Sharp, I don't know anything about exorcism. I saw that show on TV one time, and I'm done. That's because you watched it on TV. Give me a break. That's not how it happens. You don't go doing all kinds of hocus-pocus and painting walls and da 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 Stop it. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. You know it by understanding the power of God, the one that spoke the worlds into existence. If you've been filled with the power of the Holy Ghost and you have the authority of the name of Jesus on you in baptism, then you have the authority and you have the power to exercise spirits and you don't have to touch them, you don't have to tie them down, you don't have to sprinkle holy water on them. All you got to do is take authority, I'm going to say it, apostolic authority over unclean spirits and say, oh, no, 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 that spirit ain't coming up in this house. In the name of Jesus, I bind every demonic spirit that would try to come into this house, and I loose the power of the Holy Ghost uh, to have authority. And this is, uh, this is the, and man, you just start taking authority. You see, that, that spirit feels stuff. This is stuff is spooky. If kids are here. I don't want to scare them. The devils are real. They're real. You, you, want me to get, you want me to show you how? I can make the hair stand up on the back of your head. Well, I can't make yours stand up or yours stand up. Amen. It's getting late. I had to take my shots where I can't sit. 
No, I, I, I can tell you stories. I can tell you stories of human beings looking like serpents going under a pew in a church service. Eight grown men trying to hold down one man and he's reaching for a big knife that he's got in his back pocket and he's got some demonic voice and he's spitting out green bile out of the side of his mouth and he's trying to get the knife and eight grown men hold him down and he's got the knife in his hand and he's trying to open it while eight grown men are sitting on him. Several of them are over 300 pounds sitting on him and he's throwing them off. And he... This happened in church. And when finally he got them off, he slithered like a snake all the way under all of the pews in the old building and right out the back door. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that happened in church. And you want to go home and watch horror movies? Get you some of that tonight, baby. Go home and put on a horror show tonight and see how you sleep. Because devils are real. You better believe they're real. Spirits of darkness are real. And they're there to torment and they're there to, to tempt, and they're there to, to uh, confuse, and they're there to kill, steal, and destroy, and they're sent by the devil himself, and they are real. You said, Brother Sharp, you're scaring me a little bit. I'm, I'm feeling, don't stop, change the channel. I don't want to hear this anymore. I'm telling you, they're real. And there ain't one natural thing you can do about a devil. Not one natural thing. You try to take authority over a devil in the natural spirit, there were seven prophets, preachers, Seven sons of Sceva, they, they went and they said, uh, uh, we cast you out in the name of, of, of Peter and, and the name of Jesus or whatever. And, and I have to, you go back and read the story. And the Bible said, that demon said, we know Peter and we know uh, Jesus, but we don't know who you are. Ripped their clothes off. Seven grown men running down the street. You know why? Because they didn't have the authority of the name in baptism and they didn't have the power of the Holy Ghost they had seen other people do it and they tried to mess with spirits you try to play this world's game you try to mess with spirits you open up your spirit portals in your house you play dumb games you watch I'm preaching in the Holy Ghost now you watch dumb stuff on TV you bring dumb stuff into your house you're bringing portals for the spirits to come into your house and the only way there's nothing in your natural body that can deal with a demon spirit nothing you can hocus pocus all you want. You can get me to come pray for your house. And as soon as I walk away, the spirits are coming back. But you, my friend, but you, my friend, on the other hand, greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. Submit yourself, therefore, unto the Lord. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That means he will run the other way. The devil will be afraid of you if you take apostolic authority and apostolic power. I love to quote our dear dead sister Flora Jean Cockrell because she, she had a hell of a life and my wife's gone and y'all forgive me for saying it like that but that, that's late. I'm over, I got two minutes left. Her life was terrible. I'm not going to tell you what all of her kids and her grandkids did but the, the prison for everything you can imagine, selling dope out of her house, everything you can imagine. She lived in the, one of the worst complexes in town or whatever you want to call it, what do they call it, projects. It, and it was terrible. I mean, shootings every night, bullet holes in her door, bullet holes in the wall. It was terrible. She, and, and she got so bad she couldn't get out of the house, laid in bed. She said, them boys would come in here bringing all that dope and stuff. And she'd tell them, don't you bring that stuff in here. I'll put the blood on you. I'll put the blood of Jesus Christ on you. 
She had one break, man break in her house. She's going to steal all of her stuff. And she said, you better back out of my house. I'm going to put the blood of Jesus Christ on you. And he said, oh, woman, you're just a church, one of them church ladies. She started speaking in tongues. He just ran out the door. Didn't take nothing with him. You know why? Because she took authority over those unclean spirits and all those things, all those spirits of darkness. And we need to understand that the world is bound by spirits. And they're bound by spirits of darkness. And the only thing that can help them is not a program. It's not a, 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 a this. It's not that. The only thing that can help them is the blood of Jesus Christ applied by a born-again believer. And we have the, he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. My apostolic identity is that I'm going to have authority over the devil and unclean spirits, over Lucifer himself. I could say, not me. I'm nobody, but I am a blood-bought child of the Most High. I've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And I know something happened to me because I spoke in other tongues when the Spirit of God entered me. And by the power of the Holy Ghost. And I, does anybody feel what I feel in this place? And you need to be able to talk to those spirits the same way I'm speaking. Thank you for standing. Let's all stand. And you need to be taking apostolic authority and say, I put up with you long enough, devil. I'm tired of you. Get off of me. Get away from me. You feel those unclean spirits coming to your house. You feel them on the other end of the phone. You sense them on the job. You just take authority in Jesus' name. Say, I take authority in Jesus' name. I pray. I tell every morning, every morning my grandson calls us just about on the way to school. I say the same thing to him. Gigi talked to him about his spelling, his math and all that. That's what Gigi's do. Papa says one thing to him. One thing. I said, when you get to school today, wait, wait, pray for your class. He said, yes, sir. I start him from the very first day. My little grandson going to public school, all these school shootings and killings. And, and I know what happened in school. And that was 38 years ago, 40 years ago, I was in school. I sold drugs in school. I know what happens in schools. I know how bad schools can be. I know about uh, the, the sex and the drugs and all of those things. And it's so much worse now. And, and, and there ain't enough security guards. You can't place one at every door to stop all these idiots that's going to try to kill our kids. But I can tell you this. I believe my eight-year-old grandson can say, in the name of Jesus, I, I plead the blood over this classroom. I plead the blood over this classroom and take spiritual authority. I believe that one child has more of God in them when they're filled with the Holy Ghost than all the devils in hell. And they said, Jesus said, if you can have faith like this child, if you can have faith like this child, you know why? Because the child's not afraid to exercise it. We are. What do they think? What if I mess it up? What if I don't know what to say? What if I say the wrong thing? Forget all that junk. That's your pride. The world needs help. You see a car go off in a ditch, turn over, turn upside downwards. Don't say, well, I wonder if it's a white person or a black person if I'm going to go help them. That's dumb. You don't say, well, I wonder what they're going to think about me if I, I'm not a paramedic. I, what do I know? I'm not the preacher. How can I? My God. Just get in there, get your hands on them, and pull them to safety. Get them to rescue. That's what the world is hungry for. They're not trying to, they're not worried about how you look or how much money you have or what kind. Of, they just need somebody that's not afraid uh, to have a little apostolic identity and to develop and demonstrate the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. Right now, would you lift your hands, whether you're at home or you're in this building, and say, God, I want to have apostolic identity. I want the world to know me not because of my bumper sticker. 
I want them to know me not because I, I, I drive up into the same parking lot at the same church every week, but I want them to know me because I demonstrate the power of God and I have authority over unclean spirits. Right now, God wants to use you. You say, well, I'm not good enough. No, you're not, and you never will be good enough for God to use you. But are you willing? Are you willing? Then just tell him right now, God, you can use me. You can use me, God. I'm willing. I'm not perfect, but I'm willing. I'm not perfect. I ain't got it all right, but I'm willing. I'm going to give it all I got. I hadn't done everything right. I, I hadn't checked all the boxes in my own personal relationship, but God, I want to be used of you. I want to make a difference. I want to be the church. I want to be the called out one. In the name of Jesus, right now, right now, God, give me my apostolic identity back. I want to hit the reset button. I want to hit the reset button. And if you've never tried it, I challenge you right now. I challenge you to say, I'm making a change today. I'm going to start, I'm going to start demonstrating and I'm going to start ex exercising the name of Jesus. I promise you, if you will look for an opportunity tomorrow, if you'll just wake up and say, God, I don't know what he was talking about. I heard him and I want to do it, but I don't even know where to start, God. Just say, but Lord, show me what you want me to do today. And you walk your path tomorrow. No matter where you're going, what you're doing, going to work, got to do something at the hospital, got to go to the grocery store. I don't know what you got to do tomorrow, but as you're walking your path, just open your eyes and say, God, if there's some place I can be used of you today, if I can have my apostolic identity show, Lord, I want it, I want it to happen right now. Just show, and he will give you an opportunity. He'll give you an opportunity. Mm. Mm. Sing it, Sister Priscilla. Uh, Holy Ghost is strong in this place. Break every chain. Break every chain. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. Oh, to break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. Sister Anna, are we still on? To break every chain. Are we still on? Break every chain. Break Keep every us on. Chain. I want to say this. I know I'm over time. How? How do I develop my apostolic identity? If you are a sinner, or you are a new believer, or someone that is just coming to church, and I, I, I shouldn't use the term sinner, but if you haven't fully accepted your walk with Jesus Christ, and you haven't fully decided to serve the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that is very much, and if you're listening online, or if you're in this building, the very first thing you need to do 
repentance. You said we say repent. That's preacher talk. It means about face. It means to turn around. Literally, Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength. You have to make that decision that I will serve God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. You've got to, you've got to put that in your heart, and then you've got to make a decision to actualize that in your life. That's the first thing. If you do that, you open yourself up for the will of God and the Holy Spirit to fill you. The next thing, and it doesn't matter the order, but the next thing you need if you want to have the authority to use the name of Jesus is to be baptized in the name of Jesus. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, you say, well, I got baptized as a child. Fine. You know what they said over here? No, I can't remember. I was a child. Then you need to get rebaptized, And you need to be baptized in a way that you understand. And if you've been baptized in any other way other than the name of Jesus, you need to really consider a Bible study and see that through the Word of God. I'm not trying to tear down your traditions. I'm not trying to tear down your culture or your customs or what Grandma did. I'm just trying to tell you that all power and all salvation is invested in the name of Jesus. He said, do all in word or deed in the name of Jesus. Baptism is a deed. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And when you're baptized in the name of Jesus, you receive the authority to use the name of Jesus. And when you've done that, then you are going to be filled. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is a supernatural experience. That is a supernatural experience that you know something super beyond nature has happened to you because you begin to speak in another tongue or begin to prophesy in another tongue that you have never learned. No one's ever taught you. You'll just be praying one second if you're online listening or in the building. You'll be praying one second and the tongue that you learned is your native tongue and the next thing you know, you'll be talking in a heavenly prayer language and you will hear yourself do it. And it will be a sign to you that there is something supernatural that has occurred in your life. This was not, that was strange. I've seen people start speaking in tongues for the first time and go, and then I have to stop them and explain to them what happened. They go, is that what it was that felt? Wow. I said, did it feel bad? No, it felt wonderful. I just didn't know what was going on. I said, would you like to do it again? I said, lift your hands, start praising God. I love you, Lord, blah, 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 blah. And they just start speaking in tongues again. Amen. And it's a sign to you that something beyond natural. So now you have the authority of the name of Jesus through baptism, and you have the power of God through the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And then you go out and you can do whatever. A, a newborn believer can do as much as somebody's been in church a thousand years. Seriously, sometimes I think more because they, they, they have that baby faith, that they, crazy faith. They believe God for anything, you know what I mean? And uh, anyway, so that's for those that are new. Listen to me. If you are a, what we call a saint, you, a churchgoer, you're here with me tonight. And, and you're like, okay, I, I, want, I want to exercise my apostolic authority. How do I do that? Two ways. You go back to your prayer closet. Go back to your prayer closet. Start praying. Start, the, we come, the Bible said we come before him with our words. How does my physical body get into a spiritual world? God is in heaven, and he is a spirit among us in the Holy Spirit right now. How do I physically get a physical body into a spirit realm with my words? I begin to start praying. I go into my prayer closet. I begin to start talking to God. I Don't think about God. That's meditating. You can do that while you're driving or whatever, while you're at work doing your thing. Think about God. But prayer is outwardly speaking from the heart, the mouth speaketh. With the tongue, confession is made into salvation. You begin to talk to God out loud. Talking to God out loud stirs up your faith and builds your faith. That's the first way. The second way is by knowing Him. Having, developing a personal relationship with God by reading his word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. 
you start reading the Word of God, you will begin to transform. He said, be you not conformed, but be you transformed by the renewing of your, help me, mind. Not your renewing of your spirit. You are not changed. Hear me. People will go out of here speaking tongues on Sunday and go right back into an adulterous relationship on Monday. But you are transformed when you realize what adultery does to God and what it does to other people. How do I realize that? Through the Word of God. When I start learning the Word of God, it changes the way I think and I start having the mind of Christ. You don't have the mind of Brother Sharp. You don't have the mind of TCC. You don't have the mind of UPC. You have the mind of Christ when you begin to read his word. So once you've done that, go back to your prayer closet, saints. Go back to the word of God. Give yourself to study of the word. Lord lays a scripture on you in Isaiah. Don't just read that scripture. Read the whole book, all 66 chapters. If God lays a scripture on you in Jude, you're in good shape. It's one chapter. You're done in five minutes. Amen. Okay, you got it. But get in there. Dig it out. Google it a little bit. Figure it out. Dig it out. And then lastly, saints, how do I, that's how I develop. How do I demonstrate? Just get out there and start looking for an opportunity to be used of God. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for these people that are here tonight. They are precious, and they have come here to hear your word. I thank you for those that are not able to be here but are listening online and those that will listen in the future, God. And I pray that you use every hungry heart and you restore every single apostolic identity to every single person that wants it God and those that are hungry for uh, an apostolic identity God draw them into the fullness of the truth God and into relationship with you through the Holy Spirit and your name in baptism we pray it in Jesus name and everybody said in Jesus name amen I love you sorry I'm 13 minutes over she just walked back in I'm in trouble now God bless you we'll see you here Easter Sunday bring somebody with you God bless